Good morning, Life Center. How we doing? No, how we doing, really? Wonderful. I like that. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Y'all look good, man. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. My goodness. Guess what? Well, first of all, I'm sorry. If you're a guest, we're ecstatic that you're here. We want you to be comfortable. We want you to have a great experience, but we want you to feel Jesus. That's the whole reason why we do what we do. So that's, that's our goal today. We hope somebody shakes your hand. If you're okay with a hug your neck, something to make you feel warm and fuzzy. But most of all, that you have an experience with Jesus, and that's the goal for today. Welcome to the end. Not of the world. The end of our 21-day fast. Who's excited? I hate fasting. Really, I hate fasting. Uh, it, if I've missed any social media posts over the last 21 days that you got offended about, I'm sorry. Talk to Jesus. I missed some meals that I was offended about, so I talked to Jesus. Who, who likes fasting? No sadistic people in the house today. That's good. But the 21-day fast is over, all joking aside. I hope in the last three weeks that you have spent some time getting closer to Jesus and uh, getting answers for your life and getting direction and healing and strength and all the things that we find in him, denying ourselves gets us closer to him better than anything else. And it's not always pleasant. It's not always fun. And sometimes, most of the time, in those, in those times when you're alone with God and you're, you're denying yourself and you're giving up something for him, in those times of weakness is when sometimes our enemy will pounce on us and try to take us out. Has anybody been attacked in the last 21 days? I see some hands going up. That's, it, it typically happens. But as, as I heard this guy that was screaming at me in a smoky hat in the Marine Corps... They said, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. So hopefully, the last 21 days have made you stronger. It is true. And hopefully, through this time, you're a better you. And we can use this time in the first part of 2019 to go forward and own this year. I got somebody that likes that. I believe God has big plans for us this year that he's going to do for us, that he's going to do through us. And some he's going to do in spite of us. <laughs> because sometimes, face it, we get in the way of what God wants to do in our life. But I believe he has amazing plans for us, and I'm excited about what's about to happen. And now we're going to go to week three of selfless. I have a question for you. When you fly, this seems unrelated, but it will be wrapped up nice in a bow. When you fly, do you prefer a window, a middle seat, or an aisle seat? Who likes the window? Like the window seat. It's proven that people who prefer the window seat are more selfish. Oh. <laughs> You're like Nemo's dad right now, good feeling gone. What's his, what's his name? That's it. Window people are more selfish than everybody else. Who sits in a seat on an airplane and prays to God that no one sits beside you? <laughs> Tristan told me a story a couple weeks ago. They were flying, I think, from Boston back, and apparently they get dispersed all over the plane, and he sits down. He's like, my earbuds are in. My eyes are closed. And this little lady sitting beside him tapped him on the leg. 
Where are you guys from? Are you a basketball team? What's your school? Did you win? And he said, she would stop talking, he would close his eyes and put his earbuds back in and she'd tap his leg again. She'd, she wanted to talk. We pray, if you're going to be honest, you really don't want somebody to sit beside you on an airplane. Because we like things the way we like them. Uh, here's something not so surprising. Studies show that men are more selfish than women. Of course, all the fairer people in the room already knew this. I'm getting lots of head nods on that one, that men are typically more selfish than women. See, when, when Tawana gets a cold and she... You know, she's coming down with something. She pushes, like, she pushes through that stuff, and she continues to do what she does, and she does it well. When I get a cold and I'm feeling sick, I want to drink, like, half a bottle of NyQuil and sleep for two days and wake up feeling better. Right? Anybody, guys? NyQuil is awesome stuff. <laughs> Nobody's shocked about men being more selfish than women. Here's another one. Men... Larger muscles tend to equal a smaller heart. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> so all, all you skinny guys right now are like, yep, I am the man. <laughs> Pastor Andrew's like, yep, right here. Stronger muscles equal a, a smaller heart. So ladies, stay away from guys who prefer aisle seats that have big muscles because it's not going to go well for you. <laughs> who can remember the most awesome gift you've ever received in your life? One hand shot straight up. Boom. Shannon's on it today. Straight up. My, the, the, the most surprising gift that I've ever gotten that really blew me away. I was, I was 16 years old, and I, I had a job from like 15 and change, got a job, found a car I wanted. It was a cool Trans Am back in the day, like the Smoking the Bandit kind, and it had, somebody had run into a tree on the front left fender. So I made arrangements to get this car, had it fixed, took out a loan for this car, had a job, was paying for it, and I think I paid for it for about six months. And I came home from work one day, and, and I walked in the house, and on the kitchen table was the title for that car. See, to get a loan, my dad had to co-sign for this loan. So he co-signed for my loan, and I had a job. I was making money. I paid for it. All my payments on time. Paid a little extra here and there. And, and I, it, one day I came home, and he had paid for my car. It wasn't like a $20,000 car, but to me, I now had a lot of extra money. So I was super, super excited, and I had a car that was free and clear. That was like one of the most extravagant things that's ever been done for me in my life, and I, was, I still am forever grateful, and now Tristan has that car. So that's really cool. Isn't that cool? I thought so. That, that gift that you thought of in your mind, did you want to give it back? Like, did you say, ah, this is, I don't want this? Like, that kind of want to give it back? No. We don't want to give our gifts back. What, what, does, what does our culture teach us? Our culture teaches us, on a more serious note, to gratify ourselves, to indulge ourselves, buy now, pay later. When you go to a furniture store and you buy furniture, they give you financing to pay for it 
in enough years that when it's time to pay for it, it's worn out. Six years, seven years, by the time you're, you're over it, you want new stuff, and now it's time to pay for it. Well, hopefully you've been paying for it, and it's paid off in those seven years, but that's a different story. Whatever you want, get it. Get what you can because it's all about you. What does Jesus tell us? Remember week one, uh, Luke 9, 23, he said to them all, Jesus calling people to follow him, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. And that's what we've been doing the last 21 days. These two approaches don't, uh, to life don't exactly mirror or complement one another. They're, they're actually polar opposites. One says, do whatever you want, get whatever you can, just make sure that you are happy. That's what we're, we're really taught in society, in commercials and media, social media, all that stuff. You be comfortable, you be happy. And Jesus is over here saying, if you want to follow me, if you really want to be authentic, you have to deny yourself daily, take up your cross and follow me. He's saying, if you want to follow me, it's not about you getting more of what you want. It starts with self-denial. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and then you follow me. Proverbs 21 says, this is a great word picture. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous man, he gives, and he does not hold back. He's saying the lazy guy, the taker, the guy who wants everything his way, he sometimes doesn't want to work for what he wants, but he still wants everything. The righteous works, he has, but he gives extravagantly. He doesn't hold back. Today we're going to talk about some different mindsets when it comes to generosity. And some of you are like, oh, I should have stayed home today. I knew it. <laughs> because we like to talk about what we're getting, right? We like to hear things like touch your neighbor four times and say a blessing is coming your way. I like blessings, but I, I want to, more than I like blessings, I want to understand the principles that God has established for me to obtain that blessing. I don't want somebody to just tell me I'm going to be blessed with no substance to it and me not ever get that blessing and be frustrated and disillusioned. Is that all right? So no, you shouldn't have stayed home. You are in the right spot because you're going to hear some things today that will help you move forward in your relationship with Jesus. It's going to cure selfishness in your life or help cure it anyway, and it's going to put you in a position to be blessed. And that's where I want to be. The first mindset when it comes to being generous is there isn't enough. There isn't enough. Who's ever had a hole in your pocket? Most annoying thing ever. And the, the deal is with holes in your pockets, at that, that first moment that you realize you have a hole in your pockets because something hits your foot. If you even realize that, you, if, it, if it happens. And, and you realize, oh man, I've got a hole in my pocket, and you switch pockets. You move everything from pocket A to pocket B. And then you're, you're functioning that way, and you're like, I've got to get that fixed. You take your pants off that later that day, you put them in the, in the laundry, they get washed, it cycles through. You decide to wear them again. You haven't thought about the hole in your pocket. And you're moving along and something hits your foot. And you're like, oh. And the Oscar the Grouch starts to come out. 
because that thing hit your foot again, and you're like, I didn't get the hole fixed. I've still got the hole in my pocket, and it's just frustrating because whatever you put in the pocket ends up coming out, and it's just a frustrating mess, and you're just annoyed. Now you know how I feel. That's how I really feel. I'm not just projecting that on you. That's, that's happened to me a bunch of times. A person who believes there is never enough, that their pockets aren't full enough, is dealing with a poverty mindset. Now, I've said in this church a bunch of times, you can be broke, and that's temporary, that's seasonal. But if you're broke-minded, that's a lifestyle. That makes sense? So if, if you're dealing with the fact that, that your, your mindset is, now, there'll be, there'll be times in your life, I, I promise you, where there won't be enough. And you'll feel like you're behind the eight ball. But if your mindset is there isn't enough, that's a mindset of poverty. It's a mindset of lack and a mindset of scarcity. Listen to this. In in Haggai 1, Scripture says, You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Who's ever felt that way? Like all that, you're like, I remember when. You might be there right now. I don't know. You, that may be your current state of mind, your current whatever. But, but some, you, you planted, you put a lot out there, but not a lot came back. You're eating, but you're not really full. You drink, but you don't have your fill. You put clothes on, you're still not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. In this passage, these people never had enough. And the background of this is God had asked them to build a temple to build his house, to make it happen. And they weren't doing that. They were, they were making sure that they were taken care of. Somebody want to say it? First. They were putting themselves first over, over the, the mandate that God had given them, and, and they were realizing that they were pretty miserable. They weren't putting God first. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So, so this, this is the background, and they were making sure that they were taken care of first. And here's where I believe we as Americans live. I believe that through whatever, Scripture also says that our eyes are never satisfied. I remember my first flat-screen TV I bought in 2004 was a 37-inch TV that cost $750. And I saved birthday money. I saved some Christmas gifts I had. And I waited till I had that money in cash to go buy this TV. 37-inch, 720p TV for $750. Two weeks after I had that TV, guess what TV was the same price as my TV? The 42-inch. Six months later, guess what was cheaper than my TV? The 50-inch. And not only was it a bigger picture, it was a 1080p. And I'm looking at this stuff. There will always be a bigger TV. There will always be a better picture. There will always be a faster computer. There will always be a nicer car, a bigger house, a better floor, better kitchen cabinets, better bathrooms. Whatever there is, there will always be something better. But our eyes are never full, and we always want the next thing. The eyes of man are never full. 
I believe most Americans live this way. I didn't say all. Oh, you, you don't get offended if you don't live this way. But there's evidence to back me up. Dave Ramsey says that seven out of ten families in America are living paycheck to paycheck. What does that mean? If you miss two, your bills are not paid. Stop and think for a second. If you were to miss one month of your paychecks, because most people get paid every two weeks, what would that do to you personally, financially? Well, we've just seen it played out in front of our eyes. Even this most recent government shutdown. Some people had no food after missing one check. I'm not up here to tell you I have it all together. I'm not up here to take a side on this fight. I'm not doing that from here. But what I will say is this. The way we live sometimes is to our detriment. Because we live to the edge. And, and we, we have this mindset, there just isn't enough. And I make $40,000, but there isn't enough if I can make 50. And then we make 50, and we increase our level of living to, to 50. I just don't have enough money. If I made 75, it'd be better. And we make 75, and we increase our living, our style of living to 75. There just isn't enough money. If I made 100, and then we make 100. And then our, our car's a little nicer, our house is a little bigger, our clothes are better, we shop more, all these things. And, and then 100 is not enough. Well, if I can make 125, and then we make 125, and it's still not enough. There's not, there's, at some point, we have to realize it's not the amount of money we're making. It's our mindset about the money we make. And if we have the mindset of it's never enough, it will never be enough. Because there will be always something to fill that and take that. There isn't enough. Me first. I want that. They have it. I need it. Don't raise your hand. Whoever's, who's ever said this? I want to give more, but there's not enough. Don't raise your hands. I want to help. I want to make a difference, but there's not enough. I'm just so worried about money. There's a story in Mark chapter 14. Jesus was hanging out with Simon the leper, and, and a woman brought a, a, a flask or a box of, of perfume in this box made of, or this container made of alabaster, and, and she worshiped him, and she poured it on him. And, and his disciples absolutely flipped out. And in verse 4, some of these present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? See, it wasn't just Calvin Klein. It wasn't just Escape or whatever it is that you wear that costs 50 bucks. I hate buying that stuff. I'm like, you want 50, 75, $100 for 1.7 ounces of something to make me smell good. Whatever. But they were flipping out because this wasn't just a bottle of Calvin Klein. This thing was worth more than a year's wages. So think if you had a bottle of $50,000 perfume. Number one, let's question your priorities. <laughs> but let's say you had a $50,000 bottle of perfume. Let's put it in perspective to today's world. A $50,000 bottle of perfume. And you walked up here or you walked to somebody that you wanted to worship or something and you just broke it open and poured it out. People would think that you were just straight crazy because you had taken that gift that thing worth that much money and poured it out and that's where jesus people was that they were right there it was worth more than a year's wages and the money could be given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly it was too much because there's not enough other places you could have done something else with it all through the lens of there isn't enough and from this exchange in this room in this place about this thing judas left the room to go betray jesus 
That's like verse 6 or 7. Is it a coincidence that this was the last real interaction that Judas had right there before he went to go get his 30 pieces of silver for Jesus? Because that's what he sold Jesus for. He sold him out for money. He sold him out because there wasn't enough. I believe this illustrates where Judas' heart was. Because as Pastor Andrew said earlier, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. The mindset of there isn't enough and me first, all that mindset, it's going to prevent you. It'll stand in the way. It'll block you from receiving the blessings of God that he wants to put in your life. There isn't enough. The second mindset is there is enough. There is enough. And some of y'all thinking right now, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Don't settle because I'm not finished. There is enough. It's a good place to be, but don't settle here. Let's talk about this. There's, in Elijah, uh, in, in the Old Testament, the, the prophet Elijah, there was no rain for several years, and, and he was by a brook uh, or stream. It dried up, and, and God told him to go talk to this woman and that she was going to feed him. So what did he do? He got up. He walked toward wherever God told him to go, and he ran into this woman, 1 Kings chapter 17. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Would you... Bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink. As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. He doesn't know her. Bring me some bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. We're going to eat it, and we're going to die. Because they were in a famine, it hadn't rained, it didn't look like it was going to rain. This is all they had. She was going to fix this meal, and they were going to go home, and they were going to die. Basically saying, we're going to starve to death. And that, that's where she was. And Elijah's asking her for food. And, and then he, he goes further. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first... Make a small loaf of bread for me first. Make me some bread from what you have and bring it to me, and, I, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So he's saying, she said, we're going to go home, we're going to eat, we're going to die. He said, we'll go home and make me a cake first. And then whatever's left, you and your son can eat and you can whatever. But if you do this, this is what God says is going to happen in your life. So let's bring this to today's terms. You're in a hard patch. It's rough. You're down to maybe your last 200 bucks in your checking account. You don't know where the money's going to pay the bills. You don't know what's going on. And I call you. I'm like, hey, how's it going? You're like, not great. I just got a little bit of money left, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. And I'm like, I'm hungry. Come take me to dinner. <laughs> you just told me you got 200 bucks. Take me. I'm hungry. Come take me to dinner. First of all, you wouldn't come to this church any longer. You would say really harsh things about me, and you would not hold me in any regard whatsoever. Because I was asking you to give me the last thing that you had when you knew that you didn't see any more coming. That's what just happened to this woman. 
And I could even say to you, if you do this, God's going to bless you, and amazing things are going to happen in your life, and you're going to be like, yeah, right, whatever. I'm not doing that. That's what happened to her. The nerve of this dude. He said, fix mine first. But she did what Elijah said. And when she did what Elijah said, God did what he said he would do. And through that whole famine, through that whole time of no rain, every time she went to get flour, there was flour. Every time she went to get oil, there was oil. There was always enough. Isn't that cool? Why? Because she was obedient to what the voice of God was saying to her. So let's bring it to our terms. How about every time you went to pay a bill, there was enough? You're like, come on, preach. <laughs> I'm getting where we live right now. Every time you went to pay a bill, you don't have to put it off for a week or two weeks, or you don't have to, to, to juggle this or rob Peter to pay Paul and, and move this around and do this. Every time you went to pay a bill, there was enough. How about every time you went to the grocery, there was enough? Some of y'all might not understand what I'm talking about. Who's ever been in the grocery store and there hasn't been enough? And you, 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 you think... You know, I've got $84 to spend. And you think you've got 80 in your cart, and you get up there and it rings 88. And you have to make the choice of shame. And that's at least how you feel. Because you have to, at that point, decide what you're taking out. I guess y'all don't know. I've been there. Or you've got $85 in your account with your debit card, and it, or you thought you did, but Netflix hit. <laughs> and you got 71 It's going up, too. Start making movies and raise the price. And you're embarrassed, and you're mortified because your debit card's declined. And you're like, I know I got money in there. And then you pull up your app, oh, Netflix. And you're picking out $16 for the stuff to take out of your cart so you can take your food home and feed your family. How about every time you go school shopping, there was enough? And you're not telling kids, instead of the $60 shoes, you're getting the $40 shoes because there's not enough. That doesn't feel good either, does it? How about every time you had to fix your car, there was enough? Oh. How about any time you had a challenge that you had to come up with something on the spot, there was just simply enough? You get my point. So why do many of us, many in this country, live in mindset number one of there isn't enough? Because we don't listen. We don't listen. I firmly believe if she had ignored what Elijah said, she would have gone in there and fixed her meal, and they wouldn't have had any more food, and they probably would have died. But because she was obedient to the voice of God, she had enough. Why do you think, and I missed this my whole life, it's kind of embarrassing, but I have. In verse 13, he prefaced what he was about to say with don't be afraid. Because he knew the emotion that would rise up in her when he said, go do this and do it first. He knew that emotion because that, that fear would rise and that fear would, would, would lead to a refusal. And he said, don't be afraid, just go do this. He knew she would be predisposed to hold back on what she had and live in mindset number one of there isn't enough. Her obedience transitioned her from there isn't enough to there is enough. 
That's the only thing that transitioned her from point to point is her obedience to the voice of God. That was it. Who's ready to transition? Seriously, who's ready to transition from there isn't enough to there is enough? Some of y'all, you're just scared to raise your hand right now because you don't know what's coming next. I get it. I get it. So let's talk about mindset number three. I got to hurry. Mindset number three is there's way more than enough. See, I told you don't settle that there's enough. There's way more than, I'm ready to move in right here, right now. There's way more than enough. Here's how we do it. It's a mindset change. It's shifting gears. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed how? Not by what you do, but how you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what's the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's what that scripture means, right? It's transitioning us from place to place by renewing our mind. And here's the kicker. And I, I should have prefaced all this at the beginning. If, if you have spent any time here at all, you know we do not harp about money. We just don't do it. Much to our detriment, we haven't harped about money. I know I, I went to visit a pastor in Florida, and there was a church in his town that to be a member of the church, you had to disclose your income with tax records. And when you disclosed, I'm talking about a several thousand member church. And when you disclosed your income with your tax records, you then had to, you had to pledge 10% of that to the church and auto-debit that from your account. And they had the form set up, man. They took it right out of your checking account. We'll never get anywhere near that. <laughs> I, I talked to somebody who comes to church here, went to a, a different church in, in, in Baltimore, and they, they took up five offerings in one service. We have tried... having a conversation with Tawana this morning as we got ready for church, and we have tried to stay so far away from that. We probably hurt ourselves and kept blessings away from you guys, but but there there are principles in the Bible that we need to follow. It's not about us just trying to have more, get more. There are principles in the Bible that we need to follow, and we're getting ready to talk about those, but I want to preface that with that, that you will never feel those kinds of things in this place, but we will tell you what what the Word of God says. So we're being transformed by having our mind renewed from there isn't enough to there is enough to there's way more than enough. Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, we don't have crops. Well, I have a farm. Anyway, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We don't have vats of wine. We don't have barns and we don't have crops. But the first part of this sets the tone. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And, and the rest of it you can say with whatever, you, with whatever comes to you. Honor God. Biblical stewardship still works. It still works. I believe when we honor God with biblical stewardship, we not only will have enough, we will be filled to overflowing. We will be filled to overflowing. What does that look like? We talked about in, in Haggai, God had asked certain things, and they were taking care of themselves first, and they were the, the holy pockets and not being full, not being warm, all that kind of stuff, and that's the result of, of that. And here's the flip side of that. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse in Malachi. There may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is a picture. We go from the lack of taking care of ourselves first 
to God opening the floodgates of heaven and pouring out so much blessing there won't be room enough to store it. This is what it looks like to honor God biblically, with biblical stewardship. This is the, I've said this so many times before, but this is the only place in the entire Bible where Scripture tells us to test God and see if he won't perform. We have the word and the guarantee of God himself saying that if you do this, if you live your life this way, if you practice biblical stewardship, I will bless you in ways that you can't imagine, and I will bless you so much that you will not be able to contain it. He says, if you don't believe me, test me. Try it out. Put it to the test. Worship me with a tithe and see if I won't do this. Not just increase in finances, but joy, spiritual contentment, peace, family peace, health, wellness. All the blessings of God aren't just if, if I give you 100, you're giving me back 150. It's not an ATM machine. It's a transaction that is spiritual. And when that happens, God is bound to his word to bless our life. This piece, this piece right here, this tithing, it teaches us to trust God, not just depend on what we know that we have and what we can do. This piece, giving, is the quickest way to cure selfishness. Selfless. It is the quickest way to take care of being selfish. It's not just about you and me. It's about what resources are, are used for. It's about how we can use the resources. It's about what God will do with that. God gives us more to bless more people. When the young boy brought his, his, his lunch of five loaves of bread and two fish to Jesus, Jesus began to multiply it. Took it, just began to multiply it. And we was, when he was finished, thousands of people, the Bible says 5,000 men, but then you add women, children, and whatever, it's a lot of people out of a five loaves and two fish. But at the end of that party, at the end of that lunch, on, at the end of whatever that was, there were still baskets of food left over. So in my mind, it, the Bible doesn't say what happened at the end, but in my mind, the little boy who brought his five loaves and two fish, I think he got the opportunity to take a basket home. That's how I would do it. If it was my party and he gave me something and it was multiplied and we had a lot left over, here, dude, take this back home. The point is, he, was, he would have been blessed with more than what he brought. And that's the principle that God is talking about right here. Honor Jesus with what you have, and he can return that to you with the overflow blessing, with the barn blessing. Not that there isn't enough, not that there's just enough, but the blessing that overflows everything and there's more than enough. I'm talking about giving to God and not holding back. See, we can get stuck in this loop of there's not enough and our income ratchets, but so does our, our cost of living because we do more and we have more. And it puts us in a place where there's never enough and we're behind the eight ball all the time. And we can live that way. But if we can start to practice biblical stewardship and give with, without holding back, why would we want to do something like that? Because he didn't hold back from us. 
John 3 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, you don't have to perish, but you can have, it's not just about blessings while you're here. It's not just about walking in favor. It's not just about what God can give you while you're on this earth. You can have eternal life. Before Jesus was ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to prepare a place that where I am, you can be with me. And that's the promise that we have. He loved, he gave, we honor. He loved, he gave, we honor. I pray that God would transform this church, this group of people into radical. This is not going where you think it is. Radical, extravagant, selfless, generous givers. Why do I pray that? Why do I want that? Because I realize that when we have that shift of mindset in our heart, in our lives, there is no limit to what God can do for us and what he can do through us. And if you're a conduit for finances, guess what? You have finances. If you're a conduit of good health, guess what? You're healthy. If you're a conduit of an example of a great marriage, guess what? You live in peace because your marriage is awesome. If you're an example of a conduit of awesomely behaved and great kids that honor God in everything they do, guess what? You get the benefit of that because the blessings that God give you aren't just for you. They're to show people in this world what he can do in their life too. You just get the benefit of what God wants to put on display. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with receiving barn type of blessings because God wants to use me as an example of what he can do in somebody's life and how he can transform somebody's life to not having enough, to living an extravagant lifestyle of being selfless, not just an extravagant lifestyle. I pray every single day, every single day, in my prayer time, I have a time carved out that I pray God blesses us, and by us, I mean us, abundantly and beyond anything that we can imagine or dream. Why? So we can have more things? So we can have fat bank accounts? There'll be more things. There'll be more robust accounts. It's a default. It's a result. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is that so we can do more, so we can reach more people with this life-changing, life-saving message, so we can help more people. So how can we become more selfless? How can we become more selfless? One good step in the right direction is by being extravagantly generous. By being generous. I'm not taking up an offering. It may sound that way, feel that way, not happening. It all begins up here. Because the mindset we have about what we have determines what we have. If you have the mindset of there's never enough, what you have is what you're going to have. Does that make sense? Because you're going to hold on to it so tight, that's all you will ever have. And you're going to be the person that's wishing, that's buying your weekly Powerballs. 
Mega millions. Wishing on that star. Now somebody's got to win, right? Somebody's got to win. I'm not telling you to go buy lottery tickets. It's not, that's not, the, that's not, that's not it. I'm telling I'm talking about a mindset shift from there isn't enough to I'm going to be obedient. So you may not get all the way from there isn't enough to extravagant generosity in one day. But see, you can start by saying, I'm going to put this piece of what God is asking me to do in place. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to honor God in this piece. And, and your life will start to shift from, from your mindset will shift from there isn't enough. And you're going to realize and you're going to see God work. I, story after story after story of people doing this and God showing up. And they're just don't always know when, don't always know how, but there just is always enough. You may not have it stored up, but there's always enough. Why? Because you're putting principles in place. And as you do that, and as you realize the blessings that God is, is raining down on you, and that how he's taking care of you, and there's always enough, and you don't have to put stuff back in the grocery line. And there is money to pay the bill when you, when you need to pay it. When you start seeing that, a heart of gratitude is going to start settling in on you. And as that heart of gratitude settles in on you, guess what's going to happen? Generosity is going to start showing up. And it's not just going to be about, I'm doing this because God said to. I'm doing this because I am grateful. Because he gave, I give. He loved me. He gave himself for me. And now I honor him in everything I do. And when that starts to take root and that spirit of gratitude settles in on you, you're going to go from just doing what you know is right to doing things simply because you want to. And when that shift happens, that's when the barn blessings come. Because not only are you honoring God, you are mirroring what he did for you because you are giving extravagantly. One of the things my dad always did that I never got, just didn't understand, is we'd pull up and somebody would be out somewhere, and this is back before it happens on every corner, and he would just open his wallet and whatever he had, he would take it out and give it to somebody. And it never made sense to me until I grew up and realized why he did what he did. He would sometimes, I'm talking back in the 80s, give somebody a couple hundred bucks, and we were not rich people. He was a mechanic. Didn't make a lot of money. But he was grateful for what God... See, what you may not know is that when I was five years old, he was given five years to live because he had a heart condition that there wasn't treatment for. January 1st, he turned 73. How cool is that? So that's... I'm 46, so that's 41 years past what the doctors had told him that he would live and because of what the blessings that God had given him that heart of gratitude began to grow and he just does things because he's grateful that he's alive so you may be in a place today that there just isn't enough it's okay it's not okay but it's okay I believe God will help you 
from there isn't enough to there's always enough. And maybe you're in a place where there's always enough and you're pretty content. Fat and happy just sitting there, always enough. I didn't call anybody fat, it's, you know. Maybe that's where you are, that you're just content and it's easy. You're, you're kind of on autopilot. Maybe, maybe you're so comfortable that all your bills are on auto debit and you don't even have to think about it. They just take care of themselves. I can't wait to get there. <laughs> Me and Jesus talking about this. Maybe that's where you are. Let me tell you, God's not finished with you. Just because you're comfortable doesn't mean he's finished. It doesn't mean what he's doing in you is complete. You find a place of gratitude. Find a place that, that overwhelms you with, with thankfulness and gratitude for where you are and where God has brought you from and the blessings he's put in place in your life and the gift of eternal life that he's given you. And that's going to begin to shift. And you're going to go from maybe doing things because you know you need to to just because you want to and then you ratchet up what you're doing. Y'all know where I'm going. And those barn blessings come. And you go from, there's always enough and my bills are on autopilot, but man, there's just way more that I know what to do with. This is not prosperity preaching. This is about you following the principles that God has put in place and him having to do what he said he would do. That's it. I'm not going to ask you to drop a hundred bucks in and get a thousand. Don't believe it. I don't believe in it. What I do believe in are the principles that God has established in us being obedient to the voice of God and him having to do what he said he would do. And that's where we are. So y'all have an amazing week. I pray blessings on every single one of y'all. We'll see you next Sunday. Love y'all.